The metaverse is emerging as the next big technology platform, attracting online game makers, social networks, and plenty of investment. And sure, there's lots of hype surrounding the metaverse, but there's also lots of substance, development, and exciting trends. On this podcast series, Into the Metaverse, brought to you by Bloomberg Intelligence, we will break down the biggest developments and bring on the most interesting minds who are building, investing in, and experiencing the metaverse. I'm Matthew Canterman, a senior equity research analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence. And I'm Jonathan Ross Friedman. You can call me Jan. I'm the founder and CEO of Super Social. We're a company venture-backed that are building games and experiences for the metaverse, starting with Roblox. We're excited to serve as your host and guide for this journey into the metaverse. There's incredible content that you're going to bring to life, amazing guests that are really going to unpack all the opportunities and excitement about the metaverse for businesses, developers, creators, marketers, brands, and, and many more. And so, Jan, the first question that I want to ask, and I, and I think I want to ask it to every guest that we eventually bring on, but I think it's extremely important to set the stage and help define exactly what the metaverse is to you, to your team, to your company. What is the metaverse? You know, what, what is the metaverse to, to super social, to Jan, and, and what are the key characteristics that shape the metaverse in your view? And I guess also importantly in that vein, what isn't the metaverse? Well, maybe I'll start with the elimination process, right? What isn't the metaverse? And, and I think what the metaverse isn't is it isn't a game. Um, it's not a website. And it's also not a place. Um, to me, the metaverse is more of an approach or, or, or an experience to our life um, over the Internet in its next evolution. Uh, and so when, you, when we think about the metaverse, is really the evolution of what the internet can be, should be in the future, large-scale virtual environments, virtual worlds, virtual spaces uh, where people, humans all over the world can do so much more than what we've done over the internet, over Web 1, Web 2.0. And all these experiences are going to be ever more persistent, meaning it's always on, it never stops. Um, it's also shared and it's open. It's on a large scale. And so the dream of the metaverse is, of course, that not a couple hundred people um, can experience a concert on Roblox or on Fortnite. Actually, it's millions of people who congregate in one place at one single point of time um, to experience something together. And so it's going to be something that is ever more immersive, ever more social, ever more expansive uh, than anything we've known until today with regards to virtual worlds. And I think, you know, if you think about it like that, it not only provides opportunities to completely reimagine what virtual experiences or human experiences online could look like, it also means that there's going to be a whole new world of possibilities of what creators can make. And that could be individual creators, um, really a, a 15-year-old in a bedroom that can build a new type of experience or an application layer on, on top of metaverse platforms. Uh, and it can be a, a multi-billion dollar corporation like Facebook that decides to build, you know, its next layer of application, consumer application for, you know, metaverse experiences. And then I think the the, the other two key components in, that we're excited about, number one is obviously metaverse experiences are going to be accessible through any device. And so the, the, the question of what platform people are going to consume information or experiences on is going to transform from like mobile console PC to it doesn't really matter because we're going to be able to access those experiences in any device. And so I think about the metaverse is 
basically device agnostic. And then the second piece, which is potentially the most transforming, and there is so much to unpack on that point, is we're going to manifest ourselves into the metaverse as humans and living in the metaverse as an avatar. And that avatar doesn't even have to be one avatar. It could be many, many, many avatars. And you and I, Matthew, can find ourselves expressing ourselves as individual, as individuals uh, through a wide array of avatars that maybe fit to different types of experiences. Maybe when we want to experience music in the metaverse, we're going to use, you know, Avatar Y. And when we want to be more of a sports fan or play sports in the metaverse, we're going to be Avatar X. And so I think all these opportunities to create multiple identities by one single human expressing yourself in the metaverse, this is probably one of the most transformative human behavior shifts that I think we are seeing since the invention of the internet itself. I think that's a really great point about expressing oneself digitally with with virtual accessories, virtual cosmetics. You know, that's something that's been done in gaming for a while, but it tends to be unique to a single game. Um, but the ability to create different avatars, create different outfits, effectively have a closet in your virtual world for your virtual self and be able to bring that from experience to experience that that that's a huge opportunity both from a from a, an engagement perspective from a revenue perspective from a branding perspective there's so many business opportunities that tie into that that angle and and one more one more super important point in in, in my mind back to as as we kind of you know open the world of the metaverse to to you know our audience and, and bringing so many important and interesting speakers is that the metaverse is not about gaming it might start with gaming and gaming has popularized a lot of different concepts when it comes to the virtual world and gaming will continue to be an important uh, kind of facet of, of what the metaverse is and potentially its key use case over the first several years. But ultimately, I envision us just like over the internet, people will do commerce in new ways, they will consume entertainment in new ways, they will play games in new way, they will likely learn, there are going to be educational activities and experiences. And of course, there's going to be opportunities of how do we work in the metaverse, right? And I think one of the things at Super Social that we're already exploring, building over Roblox is how do we actually build the virtual worlds inside a platform like Roblox where we can congregate as a team? And so I think workforce and workplace in the metaverse is is another kind of transformative potential trend that we can unpack. But we're going to dig in on all of that. Um, and, and, you know, there's so many exciting points to tackle. Uh, but Matthew, you, you've, you, you've also done, you know, some work on, on the subject of, of the metaverse and the business of the metaverse. Um, and so, you know, for, for the listeners who, who are joining our, our podcast, who, who might be newer to the metaverse and what it actually means, um, especially those from the financial markets or, or investors. Um, what What is really the metaverse from a, from a market perspective? How big is that market? And and what's at stake when when people need to think about the metaverse with that regards? Yeah, that's, that's a really important thing to tackle. And it's it's something that on uh, on Bloomberg Intelligence for Bloomberg professional subscribers, that's BI Go on your terminal, that we've, that we've been writing a lot about. The way we look at the metaverse is we actually look at it mostly from the client platforms. And so there's others out there like Matt Ball, who's written a lot about the metaverse that include other things like networking and infrastructure. Um, but from the client platform's perspective, you know, we're looking at a market that represents almost $800 billion by 2024. That's basically doubling versus 2020. You know, that, so that includes things like the, like I mentioned, the client platforms, advertising opportunities, 
uh, entertainment content, which includes games. It doesn't have to only be games. It includes things like live events, concerts, films. So all of that adds up to about $800 billion by 2024, we estimate. You know, the reason we focus on on these kind of client platforms and, and, and entertainment opportunities is because we think these are the likeliest near-term opportunities for metaverse platforms. You started talking about enterprise education as something that both Roblox and many others have talked about as opportunities, but those seem kind of a bit longer term to play out. So, fo- you know, we focused on kind of the near-term points and, you know, obviously that's a huge market already. Everyone loves to talk about TAM, total addressable market. Having $800 billion in front of you is already huge. And then being able to layer in enterprise communications and, 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 and unified communications like Zoom, uh, you know, bringing that into a metaverse for the enterprise, you know, education. If you just think about Roblox, it talks so much about education, which makes so much sense because their core user base is kids in school, right? So it makes total sense to try to bring education into a virtual realm. You know, education really hasn't changed in how many hundreds of years. So, you know, th- those are the key opportunities that we've outlined. And again, that report's available for all Bloomberg professional subscribers on BI Go. That's awesome. Um, and so I just feel like it's so important that as the metaverse grows as, you know, a, a, at the moment, quite a, a trend or, or maybe a phenomenon to something that is so much bigger than that and that people can really unpack and understand the market, the different categories. Obviously, things also kind of connect together anywhere from gaming to social experiences to human experiences uh, to commerce to games to music. There are so many categories and content verticals and now you know blockchain comes in and with all of these nfts which i'm sure we're going to touch upon one of the one of the things that i wanted to to dig into is kind of getting into some of the good stuff and what companies and platforms um, who are really leading uh, the stand on, on the metaverse which one are positioned um, and best capitalized to really build phenomenal experiences reimagine what life in the metaverse, what interactive experiences in the metaverse could look like. And if you, if we think about the metaverse as this massive, you know, tsunami, this huge, huge wave that is coming to the shores of the entire global population, you know, some of the surfers are going to be small. Some of the surfers are going to be big. What's clear is that the wave is there. Everyone can now see the wave. Uh, it's not a secret. The genie is out of the bottle. And so I think the question is really, what do we what do we think about as the contenders for leading the charge to the metaverse? You know, I have a, a lot of opinions about that, but I'd love to, you know, let you, Matthew, kind of, you know, chime in first. Well, let's let's start with everyone's favorite, including yours, because your company's working on it directly. We can start with Roblox. You know, I think Roblox is by far and away the leader at the moment in the metaverse. They've been, you know, everyone thinks there's a lot of hype in this market, in this industry. Roblox just IPO'd and the metaverse was everywhere in their filings, and that's all they talk about. But you know, if you've been following Roblox for a while, like many of us have, including you, you know that the metaverse isn't just hype to them. It's something that they've been building for over a decade, and they continue to invest and continue to build it day in and day out. You know, their platform is ubiquitous. It's across devices, as you mentioned, PC, console, mobile. I think it includes VR now, too. You know, it, it's across age groups. It's across geographies. It, it's it's the textbook metaverse as as, as as exists today in terms of having multiple different types of experiences, the ability to express yourself both, you know, with, with, with your avatar as well as developing content should you go choose to go down that route. You know, it, it is just the, 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 the prototypical metaverse out there today. Yeah. And I want to double down on that, right? I think you're, you're, uh, you know, you're talking about a platform. I, I remember when we were raising capital for Super Social and kind of building that narrative of, of, of Roblox. 
you know, I had to create sort of a story and a narrative of what is Roblox, why Roblox is unique, and how do you how do we make sure that people don't think about Roblox uh, as an app for kids? And it's quite astonishing that with Roblox that is trading today at roughly you know fifty plus billion dollar market cap, it's quite astonishing that only a year, year and a half ago, majority of people in the know still refer to Roblox as an app for kids even some of the biggest media outlets. And, and so I think we came such a long way in only a year to really understand that Roblox, in, in, in our opinion, is, is really an era-defining platform because it sits at an intersection of four multi-billion dollar verticals, right? Roblox is a game engine, meaning it can allow you to build 3D game worlds that are multiplayer environments. You know, number two, it's a publishing and distribution platform for content just like the App Store, just like YouTube. And then it's also a social network. More messages are sent daily by daily active users on Roblox than WhatsApp. More than 60 billion messages, while on WhatsApp it's 50 billion. So Roblox is this massive messaging platform with a social network element. And then the fourth, it's a cloud service provider. They have their own data centers, right? All of this really allows developers to build experiences uh, at a fraction of the time and the cost. Um, also getting access to, you know, some of the most engaged audience ever in, in any media outlet with an average daily active user and Roblox spending two and a half hours on the platform a day, which is quite, quite, quite staggering data point. Um, and so, you know, I think Roblox is, is, is definitely a contender and a key driver of what the metaverse already is today. But of course, there's other, there's other companies anywhere from, you know, the Facebooks of the world. We've all heard Mark Zuckerberg, you know, his approach to Facebook essentially is moving from a social media company to a metaverse company and, and most likely other social media juggernauts like Snapchat, TikTok, all of them will most likely already thinking about how do they build themselves as part of the narrative of the metaverse. And then, of course, there is the technology providers, uh, companies like NVIDIA that are playing a massive role in, in the metaverse with, you know, their GPUs, um, their Omniverse that they're creating kind of as, as uh, Jensen, the CEO of, of NVIDIA, calling it kind of the metaverse for engineers. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just really exciting to see so many different companies. Uh, but I would, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a, quite a statement here, Matthew, and I'm sure you're going to you're going to challenge me on that, but but uh, uh, you know I think that's part of the amazing discourse we're going to have in this podcast, which is I believe that the biggest success stories in the era of the metaverse, many of the biggest success stories are going to be companies that either have been born now or about to be born over the next couple of years, and I think that's kind of also learning from history of how the first wave of the internet played out, the second wave of the internet played out, you know. We, we all know where AOL ended up, um, and, 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 and therefore, I wouldn't be so optimistic in assuming that it's very natural that the biggest company in the metaverse is going to be Facebook. I actually beg to differ. I like to think of, in my mind, the metaverse is almost like a virtual shopping mall. Every store is a different company's own individual metaverse. There will be a Facebook metaverse. There will be a Roblox metaverse. There will be an Epic metaverse. There will be all these different metaverses that people are building, these closed platforms. And those will intersect with public platforms or decentralized um, private platforms. And and the, 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 abil- the ones that'll succeed are the ones that can build those bridges between and not just be completely closed off, but also have the interconnectivity to reach out. I think those are the ones that are going to be most successful. So, you know, I think that all of the big companies that are pushing into the metaverse today, Roblox, 
you know, they have a great core audience, especially with younger, younger users. You know, I think they're going to have the hook there. I think Epic Games is a bit older in terms of their audience and they have a really close tie to those types of players and users. I think Facebook is going to succeed extremely well with older users. And and that's that's really the bread and butter of the core Facebook platform. And, you know, so I, th- I think as you kind of look across the landscape, there's going to be all these different kinds of metaverses that appeal to different people. And that's kind of why I use the shopping mall, because, you know, maybe one store goes out of business, but gets replaced by something else that starts up, um, you know, so that that's just kind of how I think about this is going to play out. And, and so, yeah, I totally agree. I think that some of the most successful companies are going to be metaverse native, you know, they're going to be web three, and in many cases, decentralized and you know, we'll talk about decentralized platforms in a bit, but you know, I I, th- I think that's going to be a big part of of the of the future. You know, I think the one the one company that I also want to call out that I think is a is a dark horse to to really make a challenge in in what I'm calling the Chinaverse, which is will be going to be China's version of the metaverse. Quick anecdote: you know, most people that you know, if, if you're new to tech, if you're new to this, you may not know that China has a basically a separate internet. You know, content there is extremely restricted. Um, and basically there's two internets in the world. This is experience in the gaming industry. You know, the gaming market in China is effectively walled off from the rest of the world. The metaverse will evolve probably the same way in China. Um, the local platforms will be probably separate from the global platforms. Um, but in China and possibly globally with their global platform as well, I think ByteDance is going to be a real dark horse as the metaverse evolves. You know, people may not know that ByteDance is the owner of TikTok and they have the domestic app, which is called Douyin. They, they own the short video space. They're the dominant player there. I think they have over 500 million monthly active users now on, on Douyin, and that doesn't even count TikTok outside of China. So um, yeah, they've got a massive user base. They're investing in gaming to have the content to support their metaverse efforts for the gaming type content. You know, that's one that we think will be a dark horse. You know, my original dark horse call was Facebook. And then two months later, Mark Zuckerberg comes out and says the word metaverse 50 times in an earnings call. So um, that's no longer a dark horse call. But, you know, so I think ByteDance is one to watch as well. And then, you know, I think one other thing that we need to talk about as well is the, you know, you mentioned that Roblox is is an engine, is a, is a, is a, is a back-end systems technology provider. You know, Epic Games is a large metaverse company. They're there as well. But really the only neutral Switzerland, if you're looking for an engine, if you're looking for 3D software is Unity. And I think that Unity is well positioned to, you know, see incremental demand outside of gaming customers as the metaverse really unfolds as as media companies and others look to build out their own experiences as sports teams do it. You know, Unity hired Peter Moore, who is formerly the CEO of Liverpool FC. I'm a big Liverpool fan myself, but he also used to run the competitive gaming business of Electronic Arts, and he was a, a gaming industry exec at other firms before that. He's coming in to help them build out a virtual sports business. And so, you know, I think that sports is a huge opportunity. So being able to basically build a, a licensable platform for brands like sports teams, like like music artists, and be able to create their own their own metaverse, leveraging a Unity, you know, basically white label product, um, that's a huge opportunity for Unity. And then obviously you also have like the other backend systems, you have cloud infrastructure, you have networking, you have telecom providers that will all benefit to some degree from the growth of the metaverse. But, you know, if, if we look at, I mentioned Matt Ball in the beginning, you know, he's, he's been a thought leader on the metaverse and he, he's worked with, you know, my buddies at Roundhill Investment to launch a very successful ETF, the meta ETF, which I just checked today, just crossed $100 million of assets under management, which is very successful for a thematic ETF in, in basically less than two months. So, you know, congrats to, to Will, uh, Tim, Mario, and, and Matt and the rest of everyone involved. But 
you know, in, in terms of how he breaks it down, you know, he includes those other areas in their ETF in, in his portfolio and, you know, and how he thinks about the metaverse. You know, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think all of these companies are extremely important to the development of the metaverse. You know, the big question that if you're an investor looking at private companies, if you're an investor looking at public companies, if you're just interested in the metaverse overall, you know, if you're thinking about what companies are going to drive the development of the metaverse, you know, I don't I don't think like a telecom carrier is going to be driving the development of the metaverse, but they're extremely important to the development of the metaverse. A hundred percent. I definitely subscribe to that. And I think there's going to be enablers for the metaverse, um, the technology layer, anywhere from the Internet is going to have to be faster than ever before. Internet connections, Internet availability, Internet accessibility. There's still millions and millions of people. You know, I, I, I think Internet is in and of itself, Internet connectivity and access to the Internet should almost be a human right if we're talking about a world where people are going to congregate in, in large-scale virtual environments. We're going to need 5G, 6G, 10G. We're going to need super fast internet to accommodate these millions of millions of people of coming together. And so I think everyone should have access to the internet and we know that that's not the case. So, and so definitely telco companies are playing a role, but also other big technology companies that need to make the internet accessible and ever more affordable in order to you know really make these next generation experiences, environments, worlds accessible to everyone. You can't really get majority of the world to be part of the metaverse if they can't access basic internet. Um, and, and we know for sure that that's not something that is still available. Although we have made incredible progress over the past 20 years, we, I think now more than 50% of the world population can access the internet um, in, these, in, in one shape or form. Uh, but ultimately, you know, if the metaverse is going to become the evolution of the internet, it needs to be accessible to everyone. And so, and when that happens, when you have, you know, almost 8 billion people are able to access metaverse experiences across play, commerce, games, entertainment, education, uh, we're really talking about a, a, a another human frontier for the future. Um, and, you know, for, for, for us, for me as a builder, as an entrepreneur, this is really, really, really exciting. And um, it, it really forces us to completely reimagine what are going to be key experiences that are going to delight, empower, inspire, um, you know, people, young people, especially uh, who are really shaping the future with what they do every day. That, that's a great segue because I was about to ask for a company that's actually building experiences for the metaverse. These are going to be incredibly important, you know, because, you know, the same analogy is with network technologies, with anything, you need the killer app, the killer experience to catalyze mass adoption, you know, super social, you know, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would be interested to know exactly what super social is doing and kind of how you're going about building experiences for the metaverse as well. So, you know, for us, the, the, the sort of the first hypothesis was really that on the back of, of, of the pandemic, you know, seeing 2.5 billion people who are in school age, you know, out of school, spending time at home, being unable to go and socialize and interact with their friends, let alone study in a classroom. That kind of sort of was the first realization that, oh, my God, the world is about to change. Nothing will ever look the same again, because I think what changed is human behavior. Overnight, we suddenly had to show de facto to a whole new generation that the way that they socialize, the way that they play, the way that they interact, make friends, the way that they learn, the way they're, they're experiencing life is really in a virtual setup. And I'm not saying that in real life is not going to continue and be a critical way we experience life. It is and probably even more important than before because of the pandemic. But I do believe that as we, as COVID arrived, it kind of really accelerated the shift 
to virtual experiences, virtual worlds across the board. And most importantly, again, those billions of young people who are basically, basically been learning for the past couple of years every day that the way they're going to play, the way they're going to make friends, the way they're going to socialize is going to be primarily through virtual experiences. Um, and I think, you know, that's kind of the biggest shift that I see in terms of where we're going over the next decade. Now, as super social, what we got excited about is how do we leverage those incredible cutting edge technology and technical infrastructures, for example, Roblox, but also other platforms like Epic, like Unity, like blockchain, like Microsoft. How do we take advantage of these incredible technologies and infrastructures that have been being built over the past 10, 15 years? How do we take that and build on top of those platforms quite rapidly next generation interactive experiences and virtual worlds that can inspire and empower a whole new generation to socialize, connect, play, learn, and work in the metaverse. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of the type of experience that we're already seeing that are exciting is, you know, collaborative games, social games, games that really empower people with ability and opportunities to creatively express themselves. Worlds where people come together to do things together. One of the powerful things about the metaverse is going to be the fact that you're building new relationships. And we're excited to create content and interactive experiences where people, young people, people of every age are excited to come together and play, come together and learn, come together and, and watch and watch a movie. All of those things and using our avatars as the manifestation of our personality. And, you know, this is kind of a, a, a talking point. I'm going to reiterate again and again that transition from the consumer of the internet to the avatar of the metaverse. I think that's a big shift that we're really excited about. And so we're not building any more experiences for consumers. We're not going to build experiences for Matthew, for Jan. We're going to build experiences for Lord Yoners, which is my avatar in the, in the Roblox platform. And we're going to build for the Matthew avatar. And, and I think building experiences for those avatars that we don't even know who they are, we don't know their name, we don't know their age, we don't know where they're from, it's a whole new realm of possibilities. And it's kind of a paradigm shift of moving from building a social application on a mobile phone for you know someone that we really know who they are, where they're from, to building a whole new experience for an avatar that we don't know who that person is, but we know that there is a human behind it and they have motivation, they have desires, they have needs. And so, you know, in summary, at Super Social, our ambition is to really build the most iconic experiences for the metaverse. We're starting with Roblox. And the type of impact we want to make is building the next generation household brands and experiences that, you know, Matthew, people like you and me um, have experienced, you know, back in the day when Nintendo launched Super Mario and when Sega launched Super Sonic, those type of games and experiences and brands that continued with us forever. This is the ambition of Super Social to really bring those cutting edge next generation experiences starting on the Roblox platform, but going so much beyond that and bringing people together to connect, socialize, and, and create in the metaverse. Absolutely. And, and you talked about creating that pitch for investors. And I think that's a really strong pitch. And, you know, just to, to put some numbers around it and to pull some data from the Bloomberg terminal, I ran a screen earlier. It's a screen that I've run a lot lately because it's quite a crazy tale, you know, if you look at gaming as a whole, and a lot of this investment lately has been dedicated to metaverse platforms, but if you look at venture capital investment in, in the gaming sector, we're sitting here September 14th, so we're not even through the third quarter yet. We've already 
smash through and you know the 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 record ever venture capital raising year for games which happened to be last year 2020 was an exceptional year there was 98 deals done raising almost three billion dollars according to bloomberg data um 2021 has eclipsed that we've already had 117 deals done so far in 2021 as tracked by bloomberg and almost four billion dollars has been raised so we've already raised almost a billion dollars more um, and we're not even three quarters of the way through the year now, granted, 2021 included huge fundraising rounds for Epic Games and, and Roblox privately before their IPO. Um, but still, you know, I, I think it speaks volumes to the amount of capital that's flowing into the space, especially going after, you know, the convergence of these of these mega themes, metaverse, decentralization, social. You know, it's no longer just who can make the next Candy Crush, who can make the next match three game. I mean, those are great companies and they deserve investment, but investors are also looking ahead as to where, you know, social interaction and entertainment content is going in the metaverse. The convergence of all these trends with the metaverse is, is a place where a lot of that investment is, is going now. A hundred percent, Matthew. I think it's a, it's a great point. And, you know, if I, if I take a basketball analogy, right, it's, I think some investors, those trailblazing investors are, are not looking at kind of where the, the first bounce of the ball when, when you should it. It's like, what's the, what's the second bounce of the ball? And I think a lot of these investors that you're talking about, it's still a small portion of the, the, the venture community, but, but, you know, it's definitely on the rise. Uh, those things are powerful. Metaverse, decentralization, the next social. A lot of investors I've met are talking about games as the next social networks. And some investors, an even smaller portion, are even talking now about not only games becoming social networks, but how do we build social networks and actually turning them into economies? And we're going to talk about that when we when we when we address the blockchain um, element. And so, you know, as super social again, definitely we have been we have been fortunate to have a group of investors that that really believed in in the hypothesis, could really see where 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 we're heading with regards to interactive experiences. And and to your point, just echoing what you said, absolutely, there's always going to be just like when mobile arrived and people thought the console games are going to die just like with mobile and console and it's going to be the same with mobile games and and metaverse experiences they're always going to be great new mobile game companies building max three games for you know mobile phones that's not going to disappear obviously it's going to be harder to do because there's already big contenders that are dominating the market obviously there's going to be potentially less capital allocated to those type of ventures but those ventures will continue to come up, and that's great. The ecosystem, the total addressable market is going to, you know, continuously grow. Um, and, you know, you've already said the Bloomberg number, which is $800 billion. It probably wouldn't be that crazy to assume that it can even eclipse $1 trillion in total market um, uh, opportunity for anyone that builds um, on the metaverse. And, and, and I think, you know, if, if I was an investor today, a venture investor, it's, it's really the time to take that stand and really believe in these new worlds that we're building, either if it's they're decentralized or not, that's a separate question, but it's pretty abundantly clear that the next wave of the internet is going to be more immersive, more social, and more expensive than, than ever before because of what technology is going to enable us to create for, you know, for humans around the world. And the last set of companies I just wanted to mention that are exposed to the metaverse really positively is going to be IP owners, you know, whether that's entertainment brands like Disney or Fox or Comcast, or it's music labels. I think one of the biggest opportunities, and we've already seen it start to take off is, is concerts. Unless you're like Taylor Swift or that ilk of a music artist, you only make money by touring. You know, these artists will go on tour for three months. They won't see their family. They'll live in a bus. They'll play a show every other day. 
kills their health, you know, it kills their family and they don't see their kids and everything. Well, you mentioned it early on, you know, when these experiences can support millions of people simultaneously, there's no reason that you can't do a virtual concert for 10 million people. And Epic has had 10 million people watch these virtual concerts in smaller doses. But, you know, there's no reason that a hu- millions of people can simultaneously watch a concert and pay $5 or whatever for it, you know, pay it, make that a ticketed gated event. And all of a sudden you're making more money than you did on an entire, you know, national tour in the United States or, or continental tour in Europe, you know, so the economics for, for, for music artists are just skewed so much to touring now. That's why Live Nation has been so successful, even coming out of the pandemic and, you know, looking at brands like UMG, uh, WMG, you know, the big labels, but also Live Nation, you know, they're still the best at concert promotion you know, these sorts of companies along with the IPs that can do brand tie-ins, whether that's like a Disney tie-in or even we've seen Gucci do really successful things with Roblox, you know, these are all opportunities for them to capitalize on 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 the metaverse. And if you think, it, you know, think of them just talking all sorts of opportunities, Gucci actually had an experience inside of Roblox and someone bought a virtual Gucci handbag for the equivalent of 4,000 US dollars. This is an item that you can't sell you, you know, it's it's one person bought this just to have on their avatar for the equivalent of four thousand U.S. dollars. There's clearly an opportunity for brands to connect with different types of audiences, and so the metaverse is going to be a huge way for them to do that. Matthew, what a what a what a great summary of 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 that point, and 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 I think that just to build on what you've mentioned around IP, this is such an exciting frontier for IP owners, any artist, if it's music, movies any really piece of content, we're already starting to see as creators, the type of opportunities that are coming across really exciting content verticals like fashion, music, um, sports, you've mentioned earlier. Um, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to have an investment from Warner Music Group, you know, the third largest music company in the world. And we're constantly exploring how can music really be not only reimagined, but what type of opportunities you create to artists and very similar to fashion. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's that crazy, Matthew, to, to assume or even bet that some of the most exciting artists uh, in the future are actually going to be born out of the metaverse. Um, some of them might actually be real humans, but some of them might even be, you know, completely new avatars. I'm excited about the uh, Riot Games music division they started with complete virtual bands. Um, I'm excited about Little Nas and, and Travis Scott. Um, there's so many possibilities as we start to look at how do we bring and create content in new ways and how do we democratize further the power of creating, you know, this type of content and making them accessible to, you know, millions and millions of people around the world. And, you know, being able to be in a concert with, with a million people, I don't think that's a concept that at the moment uh, a, a, a typical listener can actually grasp. It's hard for me to grasp what it's going to feel like when I sit in a concert of, you know, of, of, of a musician um, and, and together with me in that particular virtual world is going to be about a, bill, a million people. But this is, this is where we're heading. Um, this is the type of infrastructure that is being built. And when you think about that, it's, it's just impossible not to get excited about it. And as an entrepreneur, ask yourself, if this is what's going to be available, what is the world that we want to help create to make it more exciting, more meaningful, more social, more human than ever before? And, and I think there's going to be a lot of skeptic people who will say, oh, you know, in real life is really the way to live. And, and, and I think that's fair. And there's always going to be 
or in real life experiences and relationships. But I believe that in real life is going to feed into the metaverse and the metaverse is going to make in real life even more exciting than it used to be. And so building for that type of realization is, is definitely a priority you know, for us and I'm sure for many other people. Totally agree. And, you know, I want to, you know, we talked about moving on to this and this is the big rabbit hole that we're not going to go completely down today. We're going to touch on it and we'll come back to this area far more in depth in future episodes. But a lot of people talk today about the metaverse and, and can't get past the impact of crypto, blockchain, NFTs, decentralized platforms and how that affects the metaverse. But, you know, th- there's a lot going on there that's extremely interesting. I've, I've seen, you know, we've seen things like Axie Infinity, which is still more a game. It's not a metaverse, but, you know, we've seen kind of how they can reinvent game economics with NFTs, at least for now. But what's your take on decentralized platforms generally with the metaverse and the impact of crypto, blockchain, et cetera, and how you think these can or they can't, you know, work within kind of the walled gardens that are being built by the likes of Roblox, Facebook, Epic, et cetera? I think first, as, as at a high level, I believe that decentralization is going to be playing a, a, an instrumental role in, in the future of, of many industries, uh, in the future of commerce, in the future of finance, in the future of, of, of the internet, in the future of, of interactive experiences, games, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that's pretty clear. With regards to the metaverse, look, I think when, when, when I think about crypto, you know, non-fungible tokens, decentralization, to me, it's really about the opportunity of having open platforms where players actually own the economy. If you think today about Epic, about Apple ecosystem, about Roblox, you know, these are basically platforms that are closed where the economies are owned by, by the company, by the platform. And, and just for, you know, some of our listeners who may not be so ingrained in the details, what this really means is that as a user, any asset that you create, any asset that you consume, any digital asset that you acquire or purchase inside a platform like Roblox, you may own it inside the platform, but you only own it when you're a user on that platform. If you decide you want to take the, the sort of the, the accessory or the avatar skin that you purchase inside Roblox or an Epic and you want to take it with you uh, to another platform or keep it in a decentralized wallet, uh, you, you can't do that because you are only eligible to use that inside the platform. And so I think the magic of, of, in my mind, of decentralization, open platform, NFTs, is really the opportunity to build virtual worlds, game experiences, and interactive experiences overall, where the economies and the digital assets are owned by the users, by the players, and they get to choose where they want to take it. And they can also trade it and ultimately turn it into fiat money, into actual money. I, I think that inspired the whole new wave of uh, of, of a type of games like, like Axie Infinity, which are, you know, kind of coin, quote unquote, play to earn, where you actually play the games and because you own these assets, you can actually make money playing the games and sell these assets and so on and so forth. And so, again, just to summarize, to me, the biggest thing about decentralization is the opportunity for players and users to own the digital assets, to have player-owned economies. That to me is the big shift, the big thing. Um, and I believe and I hope that some of those other platforms like Epic, like Roblox, which I'm, you know, I'm very bullish on, can participate in some shape or form in this wider trend and enabling an open metaverse potentially where players can really jump around between these platforms, which Matthew, by the way, that has always been the promise of the internet. Using open protocols to do things together 
ultimately the internet took a very, very different shift with closed platform, with the Apple ecosystem, with the Facebook World Gardens, and so on and so forth. And I think that ultimately transform, uh, evolved into the platform we see today, you know, like Epic, like Roblox, where the network is still kind of the primary business model. If to use some of the uh, some of the analogies from from a great thinkers on a great thinker on this space called you know Juice from NYU, which I I, I think at some point we should have as a guest on our on our podcast. Um, and then I think we're moving into distributed platforms where, again, the user and the players, they have the dominant power here, taking the assets with them, wanting to move around. And, and Matthew, again, if we go back to what I mentioned earlier today, which is we're moving from a world of uh, uh, an internet consumer to a world of a metaverse avatar, as an avatar, you're going to want to bring your digital assets and accessories and skins from one place to another. Otherwise, I think we're missing on this much, much bigger opportunity of what the metaverse could become. I'm sure there's a lot of skeptic people. I know I don't know personally how this is going to work and how it will be enabled because there's a lot to lose for those platforms. But again, this is what excites us about the decentralization is the opportunity for you know player-owned economies, player-owned virtual worlds, and creating a world where there's going to be even more opportunities to create prosperity for you know everyone around the world. I totally agree. I think it all comes back to what we talked about in the beginning. You know, I think the metaverse is about expressing yourself in a digital virtual space as opposed to in the real world. And being able to take full ownership of that expression is what's going to drive demand longer term. I mean, yes, there's things like Axie Infinity that are blowing up today that may or may not be sustainable, um, you know, for, you know, at the levels they're at just because of kind of, you know, the huge surge they're seeing. But the technology that's being built that's underlying what they're doing, what others are doing, like Crucible, like Decentraland, like the Sandbox and others, you know, that's those technologies to have full ownership of your virtual self. Um, that's going to be something that's going to be very powerful over the next, call it decade within the metaverse. With that, you know, I, I think we've talked about some great topics. We, we talked about defining the metaverse. We talked about the key players and the key technologies. We talked about, you know, who we think is going to be, you know, the leaders, the dark horses. We talked about um, distributed platforms. We talked about basically everything under the sun from a high level. This has been an excellent primer on the metaverse. Uh, we're looking forward to to, to to doing more, to having more guests come on and really take us on a deeper dive into the metaverse. Mm-hmm.